there's a danger when we see and hear the list of the Ten Commandments. It can be misleading. Many in the world today just see religion as a moral code in a list of do's and don'ts. Something like the Ten Commandments represents, for those who have rejected religion, a confirmation that religion is just meant to bind us and limit our freedom. For them, religion is nothing more than something used to keep the world in order, outdated and unnecessary. Pope Benedict XVI Emeritus tells us in his encyclical on love, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person. Christianity is about an encounter with Jesus Christ and his saving work. For so many on the outside looking into religion, they cannot seem to understand. This is true for some who even profess to be Christian. They would never see why they would actually enjoy it. There are also many mysterious elements about Christianity. When we eat the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity, so many just see it as a wafer. When we live a life of intense prayer, devotion, and sacrifice, others see this as just a mere waste of time in a being that doesn't actually exist. Sometimes it's almost impossible to describe the Christian life to someone who has not experienced it, and there is a reason for this. The Christian life, to use an analogy, the Christian life is much like falling in love. To someone outside the relationship, they cannot understand all the many acts of love that one person does for his or her beloved. They just see it as a waste of time. Try describing to another person what love is, why it is a thrill to spend time with the beloved if they have never fallen in love themselves. Try to describe how your heart skips a beat when your beloved walks into the room. How every gift and sacrifice you make on their behalf fills you with joy and elation. How you would move mountains just to spend a few more minutes in that person's presence. That is Christianity. It is nothing other than falling in love with the Lord. To truly understand it, you must participate in it. You cannot be on the outside looking in. The end of our gospel has a curious line. Many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing, but Jesus would not trust himself to them. He did not trust himself to them. Literally, it's the same word of believe used in them believing in his name. So they literally believed in his name, but he did not believe them. Jesus knew what was in the human heart. As God, he knew that the very same people who had witnessed the great thunder and cloud and the trumpet blast at Sinai heard all the commandments of the Lord and promised to abide by all the commandments given by God through Moses. That very same people, in fewer than 40 days, had already broken the very first commandment. The same people who saw the great signs in Egypt all the plagues, the parting of the waters, the Egyptians thrown into disarray were the same people who abandoned worship of the God who delivered them. This is why Jesus 
did not entrust himself to them because he knew them. In the New Testament, the same people who believed in him, in his name, because of the signs, were those who were present at the multiplication of the loaves and the feeding of the 5,000. These people would ask Jesus the very next day when he was teaching about the Eucharist, then what sign do you do that we may believe you? That's got to be crazy. They had just eaten. 5,000 people were fed, not counting the women and children. They knew that the loaves had been multiplied, that he made food for this entire crowd of people. And they ask him, the same crowd, they ask him for a sign to support the teaching he was giving them on the Eucharist. St. Paul is quite correct when he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we proclaim a Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. This sign is nothing other than the cross itself, the death and resurrection of Jesus. There is a meaning behind that. For Jews, this sign was terrible to gaze upon. There is actually a law that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. There is no way that this man could be the Messiah or God even more because he's accursed. He's hung on a tree. This same death, the Roman citizens, the Greeks and Romans alike, those who love wisdom, they look at the same death and they see something terrible also. They can't believe in this person being the savior of the world because this death was only reserved for slaves. If you'll recall, St. Paul, they desired to put him to death and they were contemplating the different means. Then St. Paul reveals that he's actually a Roman citizen and he appeals to Caesar, so he has to go to Rome. He can't be crucified because he's a Roman citizen. You don't crucify Roman citizens. For him, he was beheaded. So this cross is something that Jews and Greeks alike would resist. So why is this the sign that Jesus uses? The sign he gives when they question him after he drives out all the money changers, they say, what, what sign do you have to do all this? He says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Again, it's the death and resurrection. It's the cross. Why this sign? Have you ever wondered why Jesus did not summon legions of angels to show forth his power or why he did not simply become transfigured for all to see the glory of God, that he truly was God? Wouldn't that be an effective method to gain disciples, to have all these people follow him? The reason he didn't do this is he knows what is in man. He knows that such belief would only last for a time. That is why he seeks disciples who will respond to him with faith. When almost all of his followers leave after his teaching on the Eucharist in John chapter 6, he asks his disciples, will they also leave? Peter, representing the twelve, simply states, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter does not understand the Eucharist. 
I don't even know if he believes that Jesus is God at that point. But Peter has fallen in love with the person of Jesus Christ. He knows that he will follow Jesus anywhere because this man has the words of eternal life. Perhaps you are struggling with some suffering in your life. Maybe you have experienced a recent tragedy. You see the state of the world and you ask, where is God in all of this? Jesus asks us the same question that he asks his disciples. Will you too leave me? He is asking us to trust him, to fall in love with his person, with God himself. We may not understand everything yet, but once we fall in love, we begin to know God and understand him on a deeper level. Only by trusting him and falling in love with him will we be able to endure whatever trial, whatever crisis of faith may come. As deceiving as it is, the sign of the cross, that's the most believable sign. That sign makes disciples. Those other signs of glory just strike terror and devotion for a very short time. But if we are able to trust in one who was nailed to the cross and then rose again from the dead, we can be disciples for eternal life. So begin again right now to live solely for him. Everything you do, getting out of bed in the morning, your time in prayer, taking care of the kids, your schoolwork, your job, cooking dinner, your time with friends, your hobbies, your exercise, do it all for him. Fall in love with Jesus and it will change everything. Or fall out of love with Jesus and it would change everything.